Welcome back to the Awesome Boom podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning back in to listen to us. Uh, before we get started with uh, our interview with Pen Chan, the infamous edible maker, I'd just like to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, which is Canico. Canico is a leading UK full spectrum CBD brand, which stock CBD flowers, CBD tinctures, CBD capsules, CBD gummies, uh, CBD balms, a whole plethora of awesome CBD based products. Their website is www. Canaco, and that's spelled K-A-N-A-C-O.co.uk, is available online. They've got two shops in London, one in Fulham, one in Clapham Junction, and they sell an incredible range of uh, really, really high-quality CBD. So if you're into CBD products, please make sure you go and check them out. Now, let's get straight into the show with Mr. Pen Chan. Uh, This is going to be an interesting conversation. We do bounce backwards and forwards, I do warn you. He's a fidgety little sod. To get him to sit down still for an hour and 40 minutes at my table was uh, pretty impossible, actually, because he's like a... Wow, he's like the Energizer Bunny. Anyway, we will uh, kick off this interview now, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Give me honest feedback. Um, Always keen to learn if I'm making mistakes or if I can improve certain things. So please do give honest feedback, good or bad. I'll take it on the chin. All things that go. So, Penn, welcome, my friend. It's really nice to see you. Always a pleasure. So let's just get started. One of the questions that people were really interested in is, what got you interested in in making sort of sweets what inspired you to to enter that sort of that sort of market so so there are there are two things which really sort of um were the sort of catalysts for me beginning to uh sort of make um, edibles um my mum had uh, a lot of issues with sort of spinal problems and um, she suffers really badly with um ethylostanolos uh, syndrome which is um uh, a condition which is similar to um, hypermobility, but it creates a whole lot of um, other issues as well. Um, so basically, all of your connective tissue within your body is all set sort of slightly loose. There's a problem with uh, with with the collagen in in your body, and so um, in the most extreme cases, your limbs can dislocate, or you can end up with like you know very um, sort of bad back, bad hands, um, you know, constant pain, etc. Uh, etc. Et without going into into sort of too much detail with it, it's it's a pretty nasty condition. Um, so um, I've always been I've always been a a, a cannabis user for about the last twenty five years, and um, I started making sort of really basic chocolates, just throwing hash in, not really knowing what I was doing, not even decarbing it. Um, we just get absolutely battered, or like making kind of hash yogurts and stuff like that. Hash yogurts, hash yogurts, man! It's such a brilliant entry to to like edibles, and it's like it's direct and bioavailable. That was definitely um, my brother's. And mine first sort of like real edible experience in fact where yeah you just sort of heat you, you look a bit yeah. sort of a little dodgy. bit of butter a little, little, little bit of butter a yeah. little spoon heat yeah. it heat it over the stove until yeah. it sort of bubbled mix yeah. it up yeah. stick it in a yogurt bosh, bosh it and then what about 30 minutes later if that you're sort of absolutely flying incredible, incredible experience <laughs> yeah. and so, so it, it, it was kind of messing around with stuff like that and we'd made some sort of basic kind of bang drinks and like hot chocolate and stuff like that um and then I kind of went down the sort of cookie route, but the problem with cakes and kind of pastry type items is the fact that I'd make huge, huge batches of these things and give them to people. And because it has such a short uh, shelf life, um, they was kind of going off or, or going stale before people had a chance to eat them. So I was looking at trying to create uh, something which should have a much sort of longer shelf life um, and was a much smaller 
and more available thing to eat rather than having to sit and eat a whole cookie or a whole flapjack or something like that. You can just pop something in your mouth, a little chocolate drop or a little board sweet and within, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, you're nicely medicated and, you, you know, you sort of didn't have to, you know, worry about smoking or vaping or anything like that. And, you know, from from a medical perspective, I feel that uh, it's probably one of the best ways that you can you can medicate because, you know, you're, you're not vaping, you're not smoking and I think you, you actually get the most from... Um, the you know the cannabis if you if you actually ingest for ingestion yeah. yeah absolutely no no I agree with you well I mean it's it's been it's been it's been proven multiple times um, that it's it's much better much, well it's just much more effective I think I mean obviously vaping it and smoking it has yeah. a, has a much quicker onset which mm. I think a lot of medical patients mm. you know really really need and really so so, so I think I think the great thing to do is what I always say to my medical people is like if you um, if you eat an edible and you have a quick hit on a vape or like a couple of puffs on a pipe or something like that, um, that's going to be, you know, your best edge because you're going to get that, going to get that instant, instant gratification, first of all, where you, you know, you get it straight into your system. But then within sort of half an hour to an hour, you're actually going to really start to feel the onset of, of, of eating the edible and, and actually benefiting um, most of all from the, from the beneficial effects, I would say. Mm. What is your, what would you say is your most popular product and why? Um, it's probably my least favourite product to make which are the gummy bears. Um, well, it, all, it all has its popularity, but it's to completely different people. So some people love the chocolates just because they love the, the artisan uh, thing and you know the, the, you know the work that goes into them and how pretty that I can make them look these days. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant selling point. Um, probably 85% of my clientele that buys the chocolates, but I'd say were, were female. Mm. Girls love chocolate, girls That's love true. cannabis, um, especially for um, the lunar cycle. They, they find it really, really beneficial. Um, without sounding too sexist when you know when it's the time of the month for them um they you know um in fact i would say probably 65 percent of my clientele are female in all honesty that's interesting isn't it because i mean i think historically when you look at cannabis use yeah. cannabis use is, is it, you i think we automatically assume that it's much more male dominated mm. but it mm. is actually I mean, it you, is, you, you, it go, is you go absolutely. to events yeah you go to an event or any club you're going to see yeah, yeah it's much more, much more male dominated yeah but i think this was um it's interesting um we did a we did a report on cannabis users in the uk and um it came out that obviously there's a much higher proportion of women who use cannabis than previously sort of was thought and also that it sort of it highlighted that there was a real sort of market for female based Completely. Uh, sort of products. Completely. And I think you're seeing a big, um, you're seeing a big movement in that kind of market in the States where you're, you know, you're, you're definitely, and, and also in the UK with, with, with certain CBD companies, they're very much focusing on uh, women who are uh, cannabis or CBD users. Um, and they are basing products um, completely tailored for, for, for or not completely tailored for women, but give more, uh, it's really hard to explain. So they, 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 I don't know how to put it. I guess it's, it's really difficult kind of tiptoeing around the whole, the whole sexism, feminism thing where I, you know, obviously I don't want to offend people, but let's just say the products are based more towards a female market and they're with, with their marketing strategy and their design and their packaging, etc., etc. Um, and I think it's it, it's a fantastic thing because up until now it is a very male-dominated industry. Even now, when you look at the people who are actually 
the big players in the field. You know, you'll, you'll see that a lot of them are, are, are guys. When in actual fact, I think it's completely disproportionate to uh, the majority of you know the cross section of people who use cannabis. I think it's more or less. It's probably more or less equal. I, I think it's just that. Maybe the guys are a little bit more open about it because it's more kind of acceptable for guys to smoke weed or use cannabis. Um, I don't know; it's a tough one. I, I, I'm 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 trying to tiptoe around a lot of things in how I'm speaking. When in actual fact, there's no need really. We we don't tiptoe. No, 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 no. But this is what no. But this is what I mean. You know, uh, obviously, um, people could take offence to things, but there's there's no offence. There's no offence meant. I'm probably tiptoeing too much, and I shouldn't. Yeah, um, just relax. But there are there are there are female based products but we're, we're, products. we're seeing this in America and it, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you I mean you've got female based products Completely. on pretty for, much for every, every, every single market so, what, so what, what, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't there be the cannabis products who, who are basically aimed at females you know, it, it, you know all you've got to do is go into a kid's toy shop and you'll see a, you know, a pink and a blue aisle and you know it's, it's something with, with, with having kids that I've really noticed is that they really are gender specific things mm. you know and I think Although we're getting a little bit more liberal now, aren't we? Where we no, sort of completely, say, well, which is really, really good. Let, let, which not, is really uh, good. And, you know, that's something I'm trying to break with my son. You know, I mean, I, I love cooking. I spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I spend a lot of time in the kitchen with my boy. Yet if I want to go and buy him a toy kitchen, most of them are either pink or red. And I love red. That's fine. But pink? I mean, come on. Look at all the top chefs. Again, without being sexist here. It's a, it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty heavily, you know, male-dominated industry. No, for sure. And, and so that there are... I'm really seeing a lot of mixed messages and everything at the moment. You, you've got to bear with me on this, because uh, I'm going through like a, a complete wobble. So like I'm, I'm I'm completely seeing the world from a from a different perspective at the moment. So and and why is that? But... Um, there's some pretty heavy stuff going on in my life emotionally, especially with my partner. But I'm not going to dig too deeply into that. Um, and I'm also experimenting in. Well, I'm just I'm just going back to who I was a little bit really and realizing who I am. And so, yeah, I've, I've been experimenting a little bit more with psychedelics lately and with DMT and kind of plant, plant and uh, fungal-based medicine. And, um, yeah, there's a switch going on. And I have to say that I'm still kind of fighting God at the moment, but I'm kind of getting there. It's going to take a little while. But, yeah, this it's a very pivotal point in my life at the moment. So No, no, I mean, I, 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 I totally understand. I mean, you, you know, you know my history with psychedelics yeah. and exploring consciousness yeah. um so yeah because i mean so uh, for those of you who don't know um pen and i went to a, a secret festival in the summer and uh, you were a little bit nervous weren't you because um yeah. it, was, it was heavily psychedelic based and um oh, well, I've, I have history with psychedelics so let's so okay we'll just do a little bit of backfill here do a bit of backfill fill, okay, fill everybody so, in so again so th again th this is a, you know th this is actually really cathartic for me to be fair so um i'm 44 years old 45 this year um always been really interested in exploring the outer realms of consciousness and who we are and you know what our purpose is um and so i was always really heavily involved in the dance music scene and the rave scene love taking ecstasy and MDMA when I was a kid probably had enough pills to make an elephant rattle taking enough acid to make you know three camels go and so for me like I kind of had a lot of those experiences that I was going to have at an early age we used to do ridiculously huge amounts of acid really push the boundaries and I kind of scared myself on a few occasions where the experience hadn't necessarily been uh, pleasant or completely beneficial to me 
I mean, what, what sort of what sort of doses are you talking about with? Uh, oh, huge, huge mics. I mean, we used to do uh, liquid acid, so you're pushing like eight or nine drops of liquid acid, so eight or nine hundred milligrams, milligrams of, of acid in like one go. My goodness. Frequently used to do that when I was out in Goa uh, in the nineties, as lots of people did. Um, so you kind of push the rounds of you know of, of what you can and can't do, and it taught me a lot about myself and kind of leveled me out. And um, another thing I have to add is that I work in the fashion industry, so it's really false. I'm completely battling against Babylon. Um, my bre- my conscious brain and my 3D, you know, my, my 3D realm that I live in and my conscious brain are two completely different things. I'm continuously fighting with myself and what I do for a living because it's completely superficial. Um, and so having gone through a lot of that stuff and a lot of really crazy experiences, oh, uh, just, to, just to add a little bit more to the mix, I grew magic mushrooms through uh, the late 90s and early 1000s and, and provided... Uh, head shops as well as friends with a constant supply of really really good quality psilocybin um but again you know um getting a little bit older getting over my shit um having kids made me realize that you know it's probably time for me to quieten down my psychedelic experiences a little bit um until recently where i've actually felt the need to go back and ask a few questions um which has brought me to kind of where i am now really so you you touched on earlier that you've been experimenting with DMT, and you yeah. know and you know DMT is, a, is, yeah. is is one of my most favourite yeah. go to sort of mm. mind changing psychedelics. So, so, so okay, so so we'll just spin back quickly to what we were talking about first, which before I started rambling, which is when we went to this, this amazing private festival in the summer. Yeah. And so and so again, you're going to get a lot of this because we waffle. We will bounce back. We, we will bounce back. So, 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 so anyway, um, so uh, this summer uh, Orson introduced me to a fantastic. Uh, private festival that i can't really talk too much about but we're just we're not allowed to talk no about we're it. not allowed to talk about it because it is it is something completely completely new and completely private uh, and he said right you know we're gonna we're, we're you know we're gonna go in and, you know gonna have, gonna have some fun he said i've got these amazing cho- you know these amazing chocolates that are made with uh, mescaline and mushrooms and stuff like that and mescaline being one of my favorite psychedelics i just thought wow this is you know this is just going to be fantastic so anyway we go to the event we have a lovely time beautiful people great music um, lots of MD, lots of chocolate, lots of everything. Had had a really amazing night. And then to top the night off as everything was levelling out, Austin said, you know, it's probably time we go and try some DMT. So I was like, okay then. Off we go. So the, the, they had this huge flaming heart set up, which is, a, you know, sort of a, a, a butane gas heart, making loads of noise, you know. Like, you know, flaming going off like that. So it was free, it was getting cold as well. It was about the only cold weekend that we had the entire bloody summer, it which was, was completely it, ironic. It was cold. It was cold, and yeah. and, and all, all we wanted to do was sit in the sun and be warm. But for some reason, the UK weather decided that wasn't going to happen this time around. Um, and so anyway, we we got up to this heart. There's a few people sat there. The guys sort of monitoring it, making sure that people don't set themselves on fire, etc. And we sit down, and, or I lay down and. Awesome passes me the vape and just says, you know, take one long deep hit and just sit back and hold it. And having smoke pipes and bongs and God knows what throughout my life, I tend to take, I take a full lungful. And, you know, so I took, I took a full lungful. Yeah. Laid down, shut my eyes. And as I breathed out, it was like I was in an Islamic mosque with incredible patterns dancing out in front of my eyes. And I just basically laid there giggling and laughing, saying, wow, this is fucking incredible. Well, 
while also like, laughing at me basically while I was just having this sort of incredibly mad experience I opened my eyes and looked at him and looked like his beard was on fire where we were getting these incredible you know sort of light effects and noises from the from this heart that was that was burning bright in the sky and it was just incredible and what I loved about it was the fact that it wasn't completely disassociative and I was still present and in control and kind of watching and able to see what was going on. Whereas when I'd done acid or mushrooms and stuff like that, I'd, been, I'd had completely out-of-body experiences where I wasn't in control of absolutely anything. But with, I find with DMT, you can... It's a slightly in, introspective and obs, observational element to where the substance takes you in your mind. Which I find absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's an incredible, it's an incredible substance. You know, if you're interested in really exploring your sort of inner subconscious mind, um, you know, as, as most people have, are aware who listen to this podcast, I've literally just come back from ten days doing ayahuasca and um, San Pedro and uh, Cambo in southern Italy. And uh, what I what I love about doing the ayahuasca is that, you know, DMT typically only lasts about 10 minutes max you know in, in when you're in full flight mode yeah and um you know with the ayahuasca you're able to sort of experience you know ultimately sort of 10 to 12 hours of, you Incredible. know being deep 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 in the sort of dmt world where incredible you can experience you know the most incredible visuals yeah. and you can travel through different types of planes no doubt and dimensions and you meet different entities who no doubt communicate <laughs> with you and talk with you and know everything about you yeah and before basically well for me you know every everyone yeah. who takes ayahuasca is is very personal subjective to your life absolutely and you know and then it would just leave me for hours just deep in deep in my thoughts able to sort of work through all my shit anxieties or limiting beliefs yep. you know negative behaviors that I portray and all that sort of jazz and yeah I mean it's a fantastic healing medicinal plant and you can see why the the ancients you know sort of hold it in such high regard and it, you know and it's interesting in this day and age where more and more of us suffer from mental health issues and hang-ups and anxieties Completely. that we're not using a product like this you know, it does allow you to, you know, just look at life from a very, very different perspective for a, mm. for a period of time. I can, I, I completely agree. I think there's um, there's a lot of future research to be done in plant-based medicines, um, especially with the with this and 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 you know, f- uh, fungus mushrooms as well. I think. But we're already seeing that, though, aren't we? I mm. mean, you know, I, I remember reading an article that there's there's apparently there's about three hundred million people globally who suffer from treatment-resistant depression. So wow. I think I think America and North America has a population of about 350 million. So it's nearly the entire United States suffers from treatment resistant depression. Goodness me. And what this study was talking about um was that even introducing small amounts of uh you know psilocybin into these people's lives could mm-hmm. give weeks if not months and potentially years of relief from their their, their their depression. And actually I mean I think I think it was last week. Mm. The FDA actually have come out and yes, sort of said that uh, they're going to allow, you know, they they, they, they agree that psilocybin mm. is a is a is a major breakthrough in Com- sort of mental health issues. Co- yeah, completely. I mean, um, having suffered with depression myself um, and seasonally affected disorder, this is a really rough time of year for me right now with the uh, with the light dropping off um, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, because you struggle with that, don't you? I really struggle with it. I always have done from from being a kid. I have light boxes that I use, and I've tried all sorts of remedies and. I t- you know, I, I basically 
slam vitamin D as much as possible and I, you know, I eat a, a, a hell of a lot of mushrooms to try and help all of this kind of stuff and it's, 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 been, it's been really challenging for me um, from being about sort of 13 or 14. As soon as they change the clocks, it just messes with my head and just sends me into, a, into like a spiral. But um, last year, having done a little bit more research on uh, mushroom therapy and microdosing, um, I took your advice and, and actually uh, tried um, microdosing mushrooms, uh, especially for the SAD. Mm. Um, and the bright mornings aren't too bad when I know that the sun's out and it's a blue sky and I can get out, you know, get out of the house and do things like that. When you know when when the weather's good, but when the weather isn't good and it's grey and dark and gloomy, it has a real it can have a real negative onset on my mood. And those are the days when I really really need a very small dose of psilocybin. So I'm not talking about anything which will um, give you any sort of visual distortions uh, because, because of my history and I used to eat you know seven to twelve grams of dried mushrooms as like a standard trip mm. which is ridiculous for most people that's a lot it's ridiculous you know we we saw what the heroic dose was and we doubled it yeah. well, well no we'd already had the heroic dose and we did another you know seven eight grams on top of it just to see what would happen this is you're almost getting to Paul Stamets level where this is what we're where he this, I mean he, he, he is just that guy is just incredible. And, um, what his story? Yeah, you heard um, the story when man, he said he twenty just, grams. Yeah, man, like, but that was fresh mushrooms, though. It's different. That was, was fresh, that fresh mushrooms? mushrooms. That was fresh mushrooms. Yep, that was fresh. See, mushrooms. but then that dose is actually quite low, then, because I mean, once yeah. they dry out, you're yeah, only going to yeah, get yeah. like ten yeah, percent. Yeah, no, no, no. That was fresh mushrooms. So this is where we. So this is the problem with information. So we we thought that you know when they were talking about like seven grams in a dark room, you know, no sound, making it all dramatic. We were doing like flipping three times that amount. If you if you dry that out, and you know that was our standard, you know dose basically. Were you eating them wet or were you drying? Dry, them? dry, dry, dry. Yeah, yeah, dry. So so we were ba- so like we were doing. Yeah, I, I mean, this confusion. I've never really understood what the what they call a heroic dose. If it's them, if it's the mushrooms wet or if it's the mushrooms. No, I think well, well it's Terence McKenna who sort of came up with sort yeah. of the idea of this heroic dose, and, yeah. that, and that that was dried. Yeah. Okay. So 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 we used to do. Because without, five, five without, grams of wet, no, no, it's nothing. Not no, 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 no. Which is what we thought. So uh, you know, as I say, you know, we we were doing, you know, twelve. I mean, you know, there are people who do can verify this. I'm not just I'm not just talking rubbish for this for the sake of sounding big. You know, we we used to do really, really, really big trips, and because of my history, when I started microdosing, because I'm used to doing such huge doses, ridiculously, I don't even know why. We're just pushing the boundaries, to be honest. Just to see what, but was it a pleasant experience when you're doing large doses like that? Yeah, always, always on mushrooms, brilliant. I mean, but to be honest with you, I probably had bigger experiences, bigger healing experiences on mushrooms than I ever got from acid. Acid was always just a little bit of a mindfuck. I don't think acid is Excuse a, my, a, my, my language. Yeah, just ignore him swearing. Yeah. That, that means I'm it will happen. We won't be able to put you on iTunes now. No, really? I'm, I'm kidding. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, and so anyway, anyway, so going back to what we're talking about, I've, I've, we've, we've wobbled off again. So going back to my microdosing and what I was using for my, for my, um, for my SAD, we're talking about, you know, a tenth of a, a tenth of a gram, which is a money dose. So I started off with half a gram, and I can't work on that. It just went me, made me go wobbly, and I couldn't see what I was doing. And yeah, half, I, a, half a gram is where you start to get those. Yeah, so. It's too, so, so, and again, I start to get the, the funny body feeling and the sausage fingers, which is no good for me and what I do for a living, being a creative and having to use my hands because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I need, to be, I need to be in control of what my hands are doing. Sausage fingers. Sausage fingers. It's, it's just one of those things with, with, with tripping, you know, it's, it's weird, weird sausage fingers. Um, so I found point one. 
0.1 of a gram was a perfect dose. Especially maybe day one, day two, you're going to get a little bit of distortion um, and a little bit of visual play and colour. But then after that, once your body gets used to it, it's like it's like titration really. Is basically what it is. So you just, you're just getting your body used to it. a very small dose. Um, but having listened to what uh, Paul Stamets was saying, uh, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, Stamets is probably the leading mind in mycological uh, research in the world. The guy is oh, he's he's a legend. just completely fascinating. Every time I hear hear him speak, he just oh, it just floors me. Like the guy, the guy just just has such incredible knowledge. You can check him out on Joe Rogan. He's oh, been on Joe I mean, Rogan a couple if, of times. If you need to, fantastic. if you need to, if you want to listen to anything mushroom related from a beneficial or therapeutic or even just an edible point of view, I mean, he's he's your man. He's just he's incredible. Um, I've lost myself again. Don't worry, you'll find it again. <laughs> you were talking about the mushrooms and how you found them sort of healing. And That's right, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, sorry, yeah, again, my, my brain's going on. I've probably had too many vapes. Um, so what... Uh, I'll tell you what, why don't you eat one of these CBD sweets I from will. Panico? That will help me. They're 25 milligram CBD. Oh, beautiful. Actually, and they're, they're peach and um, peach or something, aren't they? Yeah, they're delicious. I really like mm, them. It's not great. Mm. Chew that Oh, one. my God. I'll tell you what, they taste really good. For an edible maker. Oh, they taste fantastic. Mm. 25 grams, I'll tell you what. Milligrams. Mm. Uh, 25 mm. milligrams, sorry. And Beautiful. I find them really relaxing. Mm. So anyway, going back to what I was saying with Stamets, now I've remembered what it was, because my brain's, my brain's going too fast. Yeah, going back to Paul Stamets, what he was saying is that when you actually take psilocybin, what happens is, is it replaces the serotonin in the brain which is lacking so for somebody with um so for somebody with um sad or issues that involve uh, light deprivation um because what, what one of the main things that sad causes is for the shutdown of serotonin so it stops you feeling good so that's pretty okay. pretty pretty so, so because sunlight creates serotonin in your body and vitamin d makes you feel good makes you feel happy makes you feel sound great um, and that's one of the things which is, which is majorly, majorly lacking when, when they change the clocks or when the light starts dropping off. So if you can take a small amount of um, psilocybin, what it actually does is replaces the serotonin in your brain. And it allows your brain to almost pretend that it's still getting all of the same feel-good stuff, but it's replaced with, with psilocybin. But the actual beneficial effects are very, very similar. So rather than falling into a pit, it kind of keeps you level. And I've tried the five days on, two days off, and that's maybe a little too much for me. So what I tend to do is wait until I wake up and I feel that the weather's a little bit grey, or maybe I need a bit of a boost in my day. And then that's probably when I'll go for the microdose. I'll wake up and I know, I know when I'm on one of those days. The night before won't have been so good, or the day before won't have been so good, or I won't have slept well, or my, con my condition, my hypermobility and my EDS will be playing me up, and I won't have slept well, I've got a bad back or bad hands, which is related to my industry. So, from that perspective, I kind of know when the days are going to come. Or if I wake up that morning, I know if I'm feeling low. So that will be the day that when I'll microdose, and I'll probably uh, have a small amount of cannabis edibles as well, because I find that that kind of relaxes me and just, it's, slight, it's a slight disassociative from the depression for me, which works really, really well. And it helps with my physical condition, which creates the mental condition in me with depression as well, especially in the winter, because all of the all of the symptoms get like 10 times worse. So as somebody who's, um, you know, suffered from this condition, you know, for most of your life, mm. 
you know, and the fact that it obviously affects your mental health and, you know, creates depression. Mm. How beneficial have you really found sort of microdosing the mushrooms and sort of utilising a small amount of sort of cannabis edibles? Um, absolutely life-changing. Because I'm assuming that you've, you've, you've tried the traditional sort oh, of method man, so, of going to the doctors. So I've, had, um, I've had various antidepressants over the years which just sort of made me feel much worse. Um, I think a lot of, of people say yeah that. we've and you know even though they say you know you've got to get over this rough week you know where you, where you just feel terrible for five or five or seven days until the stuff kicks in I'm already feeling terrible I don't need to have all of my shit handed to me on a plate again like ten times worse which is what which is what what it did to me every single time I've tried um, you know uh, serotonin inhibitors and Prozac and all sorts of things which just did me more harm than good if I'm absolutely honest so to actually find something natural um, easily obtainable well, e- easily obtainable to a point and the fact that I'm not relying on, on Big Pharma to dull my mood which is all the antidepressants ever did it makes you feel you just flatline you don't feel joy you don't feel sadness you don't feel love you don't feel pain you just flatline on nothing like it's completely peculiar and it's not a place I like to be because I'm quite an emotional person, as you know. Yeah. So if I'm flatlining on emotion, then I'd rather feel. I'd, I'd rather feel the emotion, to be honest with you. So as I say, I've been going through a lot of crap the last month, um, and I've not really smoked. I've not really drunk. I mean, I'm having a, a little. I'm having, having a cheeky beer. Now, I'm having a cheeky beer today, um, and I'm, I'm vaping loads of weed, which you're probably going to hear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's you know that, that you know that's just what that's just what we do, to, you know, to sort of get through. Um, but yeah, the next little bit's going to be really very interesting. I'm, I'm going to definitely explore this a lot more because um, it really helps my mental health. It's interesting, actually. One of um, one of the followers actually asked if you'd ever consider making um, psilocybin mushroom chocolates. Absolutely. It's in the pipeline, as you know. It's in the pipeline. <laughs> so there you go, the, the person who asked that question. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, thank you for asking the question. It, it's, it's something I have considered heavily over the past five years um, it's a very deep consideration for me because I feel it's a very powerful um, medicine um, having been to both ends of the universe and what it can show you in between I've always been a little bit careful with handing out psychedelics to people who I don't really know very well because we have very delicate minds and I feel that in the wrong hands or in the wrong circumstances you can have a very negative experience and even with my edibles I try and make sure that everybody has a very positive experience. So their first experience is a positive one, um, so that they continue to, to to enjoy the experience rather than them eating a ridiculous dose in the first place and getting themselves. In yeah, trouble. I mean, people have to be sensible with with, with edibles because I mean, and, and and psychedelics, man, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. But yeah, I mean, well, okay, so so going back to the edibles thing, um, most people who edibles work on can say that they've had a pretty psychedelic experience at some point through having slightly too much. My good, I, I have. No, absolutely. I have. Me too. I've, I've, had psych- I've had psychedelic experiences. I'll tell you a story. Years ago, this was a really, really long time ago. It's probably about 17 years old. And um, I was going to go and meet some friends down at the local pub where I grew up. And uh, this, it, was, it was the yogurt. So, yeah, I made, um, made a yogurt at this yogurt. And it's probably about a two and a half mile walk to the pub across the fields. Long enough to make it work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I walked into this pub, I stood at the bar, everything was fine, and then suddenly this sort of cartoon veil wow. just dropped down in front of me. And my legs just went and I thought I was well I was hallucinating. I was seeing different things which weren't there. Absolutely. I felt absolutely awful. I, I like properly spun out, white whited whitey in, yeah. in the toilet. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, had to had to do the two mile walk back home by myself as I disgraced myself in the pub. <laughs> Brilliant! Yeah, we've all been there. And the landlord was yeah. just like, "Awesome, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you need to leave. Yeah. We're not serving you any beer." Yeah. I was just, I, actually, I don't want any beer. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think, as I say, I think you know, lots of people have this experience where they either do themselves a hash yoga or they go to a party where there's a birthday cake, and because there's nothing else to eat, they'll they'll sort of smash a quarter or a half of a birthday cake. It's absolutely loaded with hash. <laughs> And then just have an absolutely like ego Awful test time. of a horrible experience because you know when you when you ingest uh, THC it turns into um, a different drug in in your gut which can be you know ten fifteen twenty times more psychoactive. I can't remember what it's called right now because I'm on the spot, but um, I could Google it, but I'm not going to bother. Um, and so for people who aren't used to that more psychedelic experience and aren't in touch with their third eye. And the experience that it can give you, I think, it can be completely overwhelming, and uh, can actually be more like more like a psychedelic experience rather than getting stoned. What do you think is um, what do you think is a sensible sort of dose? Because so, like, obviously in California, they yeah. up until recently they would have you know thousand milligram no kind of product. Completely irresponsible. It is irresponsible. Completely. Um, but they then broke them down into doses where I think could they. Only go up to like ten milligram yeah, per 10, dose. Yeah, ten milligram per dose, or it, yeah. So, so you, you basically get a range up to ten milligrams, but then you can buy a packet of maybe yeah. up 10, to hundred hundred milligrams as you know, as like a packet of sweeties or something like that. So, if I'm honest with you, my perfect dose is somewhere between the fifty and the hundred milligram bracket, depending on the strain. So, if I just want to stop my symptoms, you're talking twenty twenty five milligrams. That will loosen me up for the day, sort all my tendons out stop my my RSI in my hands um, and make me feel comfortable if I want something more interesting or if I'm, my pain's really bad then it'll be 50 milligrams then if I want to have an experience or I'm going out and I want to be a bit wavy then you took you're pushing the 7500 milligram bracket which I know for a lot of stoners or a lot of edible heads isn't really very much but I've always tried to keep my tolerance quite low with edibles because I don't really like the experience when it gets much bigger than that. You know, the most I've ever eaten in one go, over a night, I'd say would be about 850 to 900 milligrams. So you couldn't pay me enough for me to consume dude, that, that like, sort of amount? Dude, someone had died and I was just in a really bad place and rather than hit a bottle of whiskey, I just decided I was going to smash as much oil as I could <laughs> until I went to sleep. And it worked brilliantly. I was stoned for two days, man, but it worked really well. Yeah. I'm, 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 and I know that's completely irresponsible. But like better than better than hitting a bottle of whiskey. Better than hitting a bottle of whiskey, yeah, because it's not going to poison you and kill you. No, no. It's just going to send you to sleep, isn't it? I guess. I guess that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, yeah. I slept, I, yeah, slept and yeah, felt really wobbly for about two days after. Thing not is, not necessarily it, pleasant. No, <laughs> I, I'll, t- I'll tell you another experience because I mean, we there's a lot of talk in the sort of community about you know cannabis and paranoia and stuff like mm. that, and I just wanted to sort of bring up a point where I consumed. It's 125 milligrams of pure THC. And that left me five hours paranoid, pace, pacing around London, 
trying to break state where I sort of I doubted myself, my business, my marriage, my family, my friends. Everything was just thrown into this sort of turmoil. Um, a pretty pretty unpleasant experience. Um, but luckily, I mean, I was, I was I was conscious and I was aware that okay, yeah. I was able to say, look, Orson, you, you you've just taken a stupid amount of THC, <laughs> and this is what's happening. And yeah. You basically just need to go for a long yeah. walk and sort of wait for it to burn off. I, I think also um, I've had some really strange experiences on CBD as well. Well, I've overdone CBD and it's made me paranoid. And even though they, even though people say it has no psychoactive effect, the physicality of it has made me feel a little bit strange. No, but CBD in in in, in doses too high yeah. is known well known to sort of cause anxiety. Yeah, in people. I mean, it, uh, the the first time I came around to your place and you gave me those ridiculous huffing great vapes of uh, CBD that you just had made, and we were eating the isolate and we were having the flipping distillate and everything else. Man, I left you in an absolute pickle that day, in an absolute pickle, and that was main. We didn't even really. I think I might have had a vape or two of THC, but man, the CBD just whooped my ass. In what way? In the physical form, I just felt like I felt loose. I felt almost too loose for my body. <laughs> like <laughs> not a bad thing. Like not, you're just going to fall apart. Yeah, not a bad thing. But with my condition where everything's a bit loose anyway, I don't really need to be much looser than that. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. It was just... It was just a, it, because I think we've got so... Again, this is another thing, just to touch on quickly. We've all got so used to really high THC strains. Um, until maybe the last five or ten years, where there's been a, a big resurgence of good quality import hash coming into the UK. And I think I'd actually... Because predominantly, we were, I was always a hash smoker when we were kids because there wasn't great access to good quality weed. No, we used to it. get brick, you know, Colombian brick weed. We used to get... You know, it was full of coffee beans. We used to get stuff from Kenya as well that was full of coffee beans. Then there'd be like, there'd be the old guy. Like I remember in the early nineties when there was like the first guy that was growing skunk in his loft, and like you know, even then it was ridiculously expensive. And the guy was like, oh, "I try this," and it just completely blew me away. I was like, "Wow, that's what weed should be like." Not this horrible dried out seedy crap that we've been getting from you know sort of uh, Cambodia or or Mexico, wherever it's come from, where it's been seeded. You know, they they press it into these stupid blocks and then. All of the all of the the oil leaches out of the out of the seeds and turns the whole thing bitter and sour. And when you smoke it, it pops and fizzes. And I was just like, "Those little come? seed pops." Yeah. So like, you know, so like, so like, you know, there's all this amazing hash, but then, like, you know, the, then there's this there's this crappy weed. Until, as I say, the early nineties when the when you know the, the sort of indoor grown and the kind of tech got a little bit better. Uh, but up until then, it was kind of high dose. Um, or fairly even those uh, THC CBD hashish um, of varying qualities you we went through some horrible times with import and export in the UK when the quality was just disgusting but generally there was always a much higher CBD or CBD uh, content to uh, the hashish um, again probably because it was aged a little bit more or... again the problem with our prohibitive market in the UK is that there's always a, you know the big question mark on quality and quality control and what you're actually what you're actually receiving by the time it gets to us because of I mean the, the, the prohibition. The nice thing with the hash, though, I mean, you know, for years is that you know it's sun grown, like you know Moroccan hash. Yeah, it's full, so, spe it's, 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 full spectrum in the sun. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's sun grown. Exactly. You know, it's, it's organic, exactly. and it's the the, the flowers haven't been messed, messed around. About with, so but, they are going to have a higher concentration. But, but, yeah, of CBD. but, but also what you don't realise is 
you know when they're when they're putting everything into into the into their you know their big shake um, tubs or whatever you know they're putting stuff in that's covered with botrytis and bud rot and mold and powdery mildew and because they're just they're just cash croppers they don't give a monkeys the quality of the bud that they put in they're just tumbling the lot anyway so you're getting a lot of um, a lot of badly dried badly cured um, kind of badly grown weed that's been used to make hash in all honesty I mean they have no they have no scruples man it's or they never they didn't have scruples in the past what's happening now is you're getting um, Spanish uh, and Dutch um, CSCs or coffee shops actually sending their own growers out there and their own strains to kind of produce better quality hash makes perfect sense and I think you know you're also getting a lot of cross migration between uh, classical hash makers from say India Pakistan Afghanistan uh, Morocco kind of getting together or moving moving locations it's what happens whenever there's war or wherever there's unrest generally you know like, like with uh, Afghanistan and you know that you know all of the Kushes and all of that stuff that had a big resurgence you know 15 20 years ago um, wherever there's a war going on or wherever they they need to you know fund a guerrilla a guerrilla army they're going to grow opium and they're, they're going to grow they're going to grow weed mm. to make hash and, and sell because it's what it's what funds wars for them Not with you know being, being completely honest this it's what happens. I mean, my my favourite hash in the world is is life hash, in Indian life hash from the mountains. You can't beat it. It's the most incredible, psychedelic, uplifting, powerful smoke. Because you spent actually quite a lot of time in India, haven't you? Yeah, well, I did. I did. Again, going back to my sort of acid experiences and that we, you know, we used to travel around a lot. Uh, do our own rubbing. Uh, I used to. Sp- I spent months and months bumming about in India, you know, smoking chillums with with gurus and babas and sadhus and all sorts of weird and monkey people from all over the world. Uh, most informative times of my life learned so much oh I'm sure yeah. I'm sure it's but I have a huge so just to dispel any rubbish that people talk about me about me being a corporate guy I've smoked for 30 years I love hash I've grown weed I've grown big outdoor crops I've grown indoor crops I've always in, I've always enjoyed cannabis I'm completely involved in cannabis I always will be involved in cannabis and that's basically it so you, people can think whatever they like so you're definitely not some sort of big corporate sort of uh, I'm, I'm about as far away from big corporate cannabis as you can get regardless of what people think and this is bullshit <laughs> sorry <laughs> just to lay that one out there just to lay that, just, yeah. just to, just to yeah. clear that yeah. up yeah. for the avoidance of doubt <laughs> yes yeah, always, always the safest right <laughs> What are you What are you vaping in the vape today? So I'm vaping some uh, Super Silver Haze, which has been grown brilliantly by a very good friend of ours. Um, I don't know if I should mention his name. I won't mention his name, but um, it's incredible. He grows some of the best flowers I've ever smoked in my life. He gives it as much love as I used to. Cures it perfectly and just. That's what you need to do, though. Everything's about love, and if you Completely. don't if you don't show your girls love, then then they're not going <laughs> to. No, yeah, quite. <laughs> That's another story. That's a- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no. Still, I'm still talking about the plants. No, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Man. No, me too. Yeah, no. Again, you know, as I said, I've the history of growing weed and making concentrates, and that's kind of what, you know what brought me to where I am today. Really, you know, it's not some quick thing that I've just jumped on the bandwagon. Even though I have seen what's going on in Colorado and California, and that was one of my main reasons for starting up the edible thing because I've always been great in the kitchen. I can make really delicious food and. It's just a little sidestep to stuff that I enjoy doing anyway. But I think it's important because, I mean, if you know, if we're taking data from, you know, the US market, we can see that, you know, in California last year, for the first time ever, edibles actually started tipping the balance with cannabis 
flower sales. Yeah, well, in, in actual fact, it had always taken about 40% of the market up until then, which I was really surprised about. Was it as much as 40%? Yes, it was 40%, up to 60% in some locations. Again, because it's people that don't want the association with smoking weed or, or, or smelling weed. Yeah. As, as we've talked about many times in the past, the, the major uh, problem that people have is either the sm- it's the smell of weed, so the smell of weed being smoked. Yeah, you just can't escape that, can you? No, and and you know there's there's no doubt to what's going on. If you're growing weed, people smell fresh growing weed. If they smelled it before, they know exactly what it is. If you're smoking a joint, people know exactly what you're doing because it doesn't smell like anything else. And it's always been the one ne- the one negative thing is the smell. Hmm. No, I agree with you. I mean, you know, I I yeah. I mean, I love I love edibles. I think they're I, I like edibles because you're just getting so much more of the product over just smoking it because it's just you waste so much you you know you you, t- you take a lug full into your lungs your, your lungs are going to absorb maximum sort of 10 yeah. to 15 percent of it the rest of it the 85 percent is just uh up in smoke up in, up in smoke yeah. quite literally so yeah, you know ingestion i mean if you are a medical user and you know you are very serious about maximizing the full potential yeah. of of cannabis then you know an ingestible form is has got to be the way to go and, and, and you know actually like you said earlier you know have the vape you know, just to sort of give you that immediate relief, but do it in combination with with an edible, which is going to kick in potentially twenty to forty minutes later. I guess yeah, completely, yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I can't really shout and scream about that enough. I mean, I know it just sounds like I'm really promoting myself and what I do, but um, you know, experiment yourselves, people, and, and you know, you, you'll see that there's no doubt that edible cannabis for medical use is completely the way forward because it removes all of the stigma, all of the smell, all of the nasty things that people don't like. You can travel with it. It's you discreet. can travel with it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I found... We've all travelled with... We know, we've, yeah. let, let's be honest, we've all, you know, we, we've all travelled with edibles. Whenever I go to Australia to see my family, I take a bag full of edibles and vapes and I, isn't I knock, that, I knock isn't, myself out. Isn't that just a little bit risky going to Australia knowing how absolutely paranoid and... Yes, completely. Search. I mean, you're going to find you on one of those shows, aren't we? What, what's that? No, border, no, border control, border Australia. Control. No, I wish. So, <laughs> Penchan uh, being mixed. So, no, so there's, a, there's, a story, there's a story that goes with that. So like, having been in a really dark place, using really bad substances for quite a long period of time to help shut down certain channels in my life the spirit you know the spiritual channels in my life basically because the noise was just getting too much and i found that um i'll be completely honest if i took cocaine that shut that it shut the channels down and so i think that's why a lot of people take cocaine yeah because it shuts shuts down the channels and it stops it stops Stops all of the noise noise. yeah the noise um and it kind of you know so i got to a point where i was doing ridiculous amounts of cocaine Um, my uncle pulled me up after two years and he said to me when was the last time you didn't have any coke, and I was, and I couldn't remember. And wow. so I was at a horrible point where, because everybody I knew was sort of involved in the industry, running around. Even my landlord used to run, used to run coke about London, and I just got myself in a terrible place. And went out to Australia, obviously looking like a complete muppet. Uh, walked through border control, and they literally stripped me apart. More or less, I more or less got the rubber glove treatment, and they would hand up the bum. <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> no, man, no lie. They were, they, were, they were considering it, honestly. And uh, and so now... Are you concealing, sir? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so now every time I enter Australia, I think I must have a little tick on my, uh, on my passport whenever I enter the country because even though I can be doing absolutely nothing, travelling with my wife and son... My, my wife is Australian, she has an Australian passport, so I have to go back there quite a lot. And every time I enter the country... 
they always make a really big point of running the dogs over my stuff about 10 times and even if there isn't anything there they will still pull me apart and look at me because obviously you still got that tick I still got that tick against my name and when I when I entered the country the first time there were probably traces of everything all over me so but yeah obviously you know I mean uh, Australia has one of the um, one of the most strict policies for um, import and export of anything you know you can't even enter the country with mud on your boots they'll make you clean your boots before you enter just because um, they grow all of their produce there so they don't want any fruit fly or anything remotely um, you can, under, you can understand that even if no, it completely. does seem extreme no completely it's a complete quarantine even from state to state you can't enter different states if you carry bananas I'm, this, I'm just preaching to the you know loads of people who travel doors and they know this stuff but from a from an import export perspective Australia is like the worst place you want to be doing anything like you know apart from like maybe certain countries in the Middle East yeah you know like the UAE and stuff like that um, but no I mean I've always I've always travelled with cannabis no matter where I've gone even to ridiculous places I've even gone through the UAE with hash and it's brave it's stupid it was stupid stupid, stupid and brave it was stupid dude um, but it was because we it was only because we ended up there it wasn't actually a planned stop so you know we ended up kind of going back through Doha or through um, you know one, one of the UAE countries or something like that when I was sort of laden on a trip back from uh, India let's say and an unplanned stop. <laughs> the worst kind of unplanned stop. The worst kind of unplanned stop, yeah. But, you know. Definitely a bottom clencher. No, no, it's one of those things. But if you're a cannabis user and you travel around and you enjoy the benefits of it, then you have to make sure you have your medication with you. And I'm not proud of some of the import and export that I've done, let's say. But um, when you find yourself in places where you can purchase the finest quality hashish available anywhere in the world why wouldn't you come back with a few bits in your pocket yeah, that's true, that's true. And, and, I'm, and I'm not proud of it but I, but not being funny most cannabis users have got a story or two like that oh yeah sure but I mean I think this just highlights the craziness that you know this is a you know hands down even the British government now admit that cannabis is a medicinal product absolutely and has medicinal value to it and it just seems crazy that you can I mean there are some restrictions if you're on pharmaceutical drugs certain countries they're going to get a little bit funny with codeine and stuff like this yeah and you, ha- you have to bring your, doctor, your, your doctor's notes but yeah. it, do, it does seem absolutely crazy um, you know how you can't just travel around with your with some flowers or a little mm. bit of hash just so you can remain medicated yeah I mean it's actually one of the biggest questions that we get asked where people you know they're going on their summer holidays and you know they're like oh you know do you think I'll be able to buy when I land mm. will I be able to find somebody because you know mm. it's, it's a genuine concern mm. for people where they have Completely. to leave, leave their medication at Completely. home Completely. You know, two weeks away with the holiday, yeah. Yeah. and they have to go and source it. I mean, I, I've, I've completely been in that situation, and as I say, I've literally put my own life at risk by having to um, take my own meds with me. You know. Yeah. So it's it's one of those really ridiculous situations where we're in a position that you know, for the sake of a plant, you can't move freely. And you know, make your choices on what you put into your body. So um, let's let's cover what, what what's your thoughts on the, the recent changes and the government coming out and sort of saying that you know they now recognise cannabis as being medicinal, but it's going to be these sort of cannabis-based products. Because I know there's actually yeah. quite a lot of concern in the community of Agreed. exactly you know what what does that mean? You know, am I going to be able to get access to to flowers? Mm. I believe we will be able to get access to flowers. I mean, mm. this is very very early mm. days, and we we mustn't Completely. expect too much no. in the first. 
so, couple of months. So there are other models that you can uh, look at with this kind of thing. I mean, I know um, you know uh, Spain has has its sort of you know kind of a social club movement, and it's starting to get a little bit more uh, recognition with the medical thing there. Uh, Italy also has its um, cannabis light policy that goes on where you can buy effectively CBD hemp um, buds uh, or pre-rolled cigarettes. Um, but with the UK, I think what we tend to do is we look at everybody else and watch their mistakes um, and then we just cherry pick the bits that work the best for the government. But that kind of sounds fairly sens sensible, doesn't no, it? No, I, com I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, obviously what the government are trying to do with their current policy is to become the drug dealers themselves so they can control the market, which I totally understand. But if, then if you look at places like sort of... Um, but I'm just, I'm just going to stop you there because, I mean, there is a huge amount of misinformation in this in this community. Yeah. The government actually aren't going to be becoming drug dealers because they're actually doing deals now with okay. big cannabis companies cool. based in... Uh, you know, Canada or Israel. Oh, that's brilliant. So these aren't big pharma oh, no, companies. These are these are these are people who've been outlaws in this industry in Canada before. You know, over the last sort of thirty mm. years, mm. and they just happen to be growing and creating really interesting mm. products. So, mm. you know, no, no, you won't. we we do we you know well. I'm partly so, I'm partly right yeah. because you know our drugs minister can't actually even talk about cannabis in in the House of Commons, no, which which I find completely corrupt. Oh, it's it's ridiculous because her husband. Yes earns money, yeah. you know, from the legal cannabis markets. It's exactly the same with Theresa May's husband. You know, he, he you know, he benefits through yeah. his hedge fund. It's not on their it's not, it's not on their agenda to make it to make it legal in a way that they can't profit from it in some way at the moment. But then to be honest with you, you know, in Canada and Switzerland and stuff, the government run or the government control the the cannabis there anyway. There's always going to be government control because you're always going to need a license. I, I, I to be honest with you, I, I don't have a problem with that. It's the people who have a problem with that are generally the people who have got a tent in their bedroom or in their garage who like growing four or five plants. All they want to do is grow their four or five plants in peace, medicate themselves and not worry about... Yeah, but those people can continue to do that, no? Yeah, and no, but I think they want... I, I don't really know what, what those people want, to be honest with you. It's, I think there's, there's a very sort of blurred line because, you know, it, from um, a progression perspective, you know, you know, progression and moving forward, I think... For anything to work, the government, you know, we have to have the government on board anyway. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's not going to work as it hasn't so far. Mm. You know, with, with prohibition and everything. So, I think you know them actually admitting the fact, you know, admitting to the fact that they think that it is beneficial uh, medically. It has to be a, a huge step in the right direction. Oh, it, without without a doubt, I mean, it is it is a big, it's a, it's a fantastic step in the right direction. And um, you know, I'd just like to reiterate, it's it's by no means ideal at this moment in time. You know, yeah. it is heavily restrictive, but you have to expect that because it's a brand new industry and the government you know the government are basically they're scared they don't really know what they're doing yet either do they, they don't know what they're doing they're scared and you know that they're, they're, they're concerned that there's going to be some sort of public backlash yeah. or all these sort of things um, but, but but in actual fact the majority or there was a poll I saw the other day I don't know whose poll it was but they're saying that the majority of the UK are actually in favour of um, legalisation of medical cannabis now I don't know whose poll that was. It may just be a load of waffle. But no, it wasn't. It was a, it was a poll uh, done by Voltfast. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I think I think we've got to a point now that we were talking about maybe five or six years ago, where you know the way you know the wave has got to that tipping point where it's broken, and all of the old rhetoric and all of the old rubbish and all of the old propaganda that they told us just isn't really 
making sense to modern people now. But they, even the, you know, like my a lot of my customers are in the sort of forty to seventy years of age bracket, and those guys are the ones who benefit from it the most. You know, I mean, older people need CBD, need cannabis because. They're all the ones who are getting battered with arthritis and you know all of the, all, of, all of those medical issues. But this is exactly what I did with my parents. Um, my dad had a knee operation, um, which uh, the first one went wrong. They didn't really crazy thing. They didn't glue the new kneecap into the bottom oh, part of his oh, femur. So it's flat around. And so it was wobbling and creating a huge amount of pain. God. And uh, he actually, I mean, and he's somebody who's who's never taken any drugs. I mean, he, he he's probably had a few puffs on a few joints when he was younger. His best friend was a big cannabis fan. Oh, you gave him some of my sweets though, did you? No, no, not your oh. sweets. I gave him a, a cream. Mm. I gave him a pot of a, a cannabis, a full spectrum cannabis cream, which you rub on his knee. And then he got, he got, he got a lot of benefit from that. So then, you know, my stepmom would use it for mm -hmm. a sore neck. And then the, this cream would, would basically Amazing. get pa passed yeah, yeah. around the whole, the whole village, all their, sort of, all their mates at dinner parties. Oh, you got, you got an achy, achy whatever. Have that. Ha, ha, use this cannabis cream. And um, yeah, I mean, all, the, all of these guys, they're all, they're all fairly sort of conservative and, mm. you know, a little bit boring maybe. No, but there's a definite <laughs> like sway. There's a definite sway in, in the way that people are thinking. And I think just the fact that you can then go into Holland and Barrett and pick up CBD oil in there or whatever. Fair enough, it may be fairly low quality, fairly low dose. But the fact that it's it's now become accessible and people are actually trying it just to see if it helps them out. Yeah, but I mean, why why not? You know, if you, if you if you're um you know if you if you got health issues and you you're living your life in pain and discomfort, I mean, I'd argue, I mean, I'd try anything. That's But also, I think the exciting thing you you know what we're starting to see is that more and more parents. Are becoming more open to actually allowing their children to use CBD or yeah. even TH low dose THC products as well, and more exciting is the fact that you know like Billy Caldwell mm. and Alfie Dingley, two young boys, you know who suffer from you know chronic epilepsy, you know life destroying condition, mm. you know could benefit so quickly and you know so vastly from just mm. using CBD and low dose THC tinctures. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really exciting because I mean you know my background's medicine and I've, I've I've worked with thousands and thousands of children with epilepsy and all these sort of debilitating disorders, and I think it's incredibly exciting that we've now having the conversation about allowing children to to benefit from these products. Bearing in mind we we, we pump them through full yeah. of uh, pharmaceutical products yeah. beforehand, which have devastating you know consequences it's, for a child's development. Just touching on that has just kind of made me grin because, you know, whenever the press get hold of what I do, it's the one thing they turn around and say is, oh, what about the children? But there are some, ki there are some kids who, who will benefit massively yeah, from, really from, 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 from cannabis-based products. And all people, all people do is like, chuck up this knee-jerk reaction. So, oh, you know, I must be targeting my, um, my products at kids. And as, as I just said a moment ago, most of my clientele is, is you know, over, over, probably over 40, over 45 even. And so you know, I, I just think that whole that whole argument is just completely dead in the water. This, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, yes, yes, and no. I think, um, I mean, f for as long as we continue down the path of prohibition, there are going to be children who are going to suffer. So we released a report called the Children's Inquiry, where you know more children now are getting charged with um, drug dealing offences than adults. Yeah under 18 so actually the laws that were created to supposedly protect 
our youngsters, the most vulnerable people in society, and the most vulnerable people in society, actually now potentially criminalising those very people that they were set out to protect, and that is just it is just it's just yeah. it's just bomb. Yeah. So one of one of one of your followers and fans and uh, good friend uh, wanted to ask if you wear cashmere underpants. Well, is, is this rumoured true? All I can say is it's completely true, and I go to the Himalayas every year, and uh, I shave the uh, the goats myself. Uh, it's it's woven by um, some incredible ladies uh, up in the Himalayas uh, into one almighty fine pair of pants, and yes, I wear them every day. The same pair. The same pair. Yeah, not, not, you don't even wash them. No, no. You don't need to wash them. They just naturally self-clean. Self-cleaning cashmere yeah, pants. That's, that's what I was told anyway. So we've, we've, we've now been able to clarify the rumour. Pen Chan does indeed yeah. wear furry cashmere pants. Every day. To be honest, I think actually cashmere pants, I mean, they'd be really comfortable. Oh, man, they? they'd be fantastic. They would be fantastic. How, how soft would that be? Gosh. Imagine a whole pair. Gossamer. Imagine a whole pair of pyjamas made out of cashmere. It might be itchy if it was just pure cashmere. If it was just on your skin. It's nice to keep you warm, but if it's just on your skin, it can be a bit itchy. Obviously, through experience. <laughs> right. But yeah, definitely cashmere pass. Anyway, back to the serious Yeah, stuff. We'll, yeah we'll, get, we'll get back to being, being serious. Um, let's, let's delve more into... Um, mental health and sure. psychedelics because I on a, on a very serious note I know you know a lot of people you know both of us have, have suffered yeah. you know with mental health issues yeah. anxieties depressions and yeah. you know yeah. limiting beliefs and yeah. negative behavioral loops and I know a lot of the listeners are really interested in you know just getting advice from people who've experienced the same problems as they do oh, completely. and different ways to sort of help combat that so you know you obviously suffer from seasonal affective disorder yeah and we touched loosely on the fact that you microdose yeah. the sort of psilocybin and and the cannabis is there anything else you use to sort of you know to sort of control you to keep you out of that sort of slump and ruts during um, the sort of this sort of winter is coming kind of period it's a uh, head tricks it's head tricks that um i've learned to rethink and rewire the way that my brain works so what I try and do is I just try and see the beauty in the seasons. I try and see positive. When I go out, I'll try and look at four or five things that I like to look at or like to see. I'll go looking for mushrooms. I'll go and see how many different kinds of leaves I can pick up in the autumn. I can actually watch and enjoy the seasons change rather than it feeling like a death of summer like it used to. Mm. And so what I've actually learned to do is rather than shut down, I've learned to open up and actually see the beauty in autumn and winter. So go out when it's really frosty. Look at the patterns that it makes on my car windows. See the, you know, actually feel the seasons and realise that the seasons aren't necessarily something negative. It's just something that I have to go through and it's a thought process. But another way that I learned to cope with a lot of my depression was to actually try and find humour in stuff no matter how dark it was. There's always something funny that you can look at, even if you're laughing at yourself. I think it's very important to be able to laugh at you yourself. Know, and it? I think that is a lot of the problem with depression. Um, again, a lot of people aren't going to like what I'm going to say here, but depression is really self-indulgent. Um, and you're saying that from a personal From a personal of. perspective. I was completely self-indulgent in my depression. I'd stand on the edge of the, world, of the black whirlpool and I'd jump in and go, hey, 
you know, that's me. And then I'd just be stuck in that for four months until the clocks changed again or until I could see the light coming back. And I was just in a pit. My, my work wasn't making me happy. The ridiculous people I was dealing with on a daily basis weren't making me happy. And so I just had to change my whole mindset and actually see more positive in the world. And it's all about headset. And depression is really self-indulgent. Um, fair enough, clinical depression can be a little bit different maybe. But I think it's all about how you wake up in the morning. It's positive mental attitude. And I think if you can wake up with a positive attitude and see good in the day rather than bad in the day, all you've got to do is look at social media, man. I can tell you that 75% of the people that I look at on social media are deeply depressed because they allow themselves to be because they don't change their lives and they don't change the way that they are and they won't be... They're very introverted, but in the wrong way. They're not looking at themselves to make a change. They're looking at themselves to carry on being introverted and depressed. If you want to change, you've got to change yourself and heal yourself. But do you think... Um I, I I mean I, I agree with you um, but do you think I well I, I feel that actually you and I and people similar to us are actually quite lucky where we are able to to look at it objectively like that to almost, almost disassociate myself from it because yeah. because it's 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 something that's going on with me which I know goes on with me every year but the funny thing is, with watching um, patterns, I watch patterns, it's something that fascinates me. Um, patterns in behaviour, in seasons, in, in, also in, in, in every part of my life. And watching my own behaviour on social media over the past 10 years, there's a little thing that pops up that says memories of the day or, you know, whatever it, whatever, whatever it is. And it will show you what you've posted that week, previous years. Yeah. And if I look at what I've posted or what people have tagged me in, we all go through these cycles. And I know like there are certain down days when I'll just look at, it's a really good lesson for me because it allows me to look at myself and realize that these are just patterns that I go through and I'm gonna be all right at the end of it. But all these things pop up. Oh, my hands are playing up. I can't go to work today. My head's done in. I'm feeling really low. Everything's pissing me off. But it's just how I'm feeling. Mm. And to see that pop up year after year after year, you've got to realize that that's a pattern. Yeah, that's inside and the, you. And the circus is going round and round and round. And all you got to what you got to do is figure out how you break that circus or you break that pattern and turn it into something more positive, or at least see it as a more positive thing. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, no, I I, I I agree. I mean, so recently, um, I've gone through a fairly big transformation yeah. where, you know, obviously come back from ayahuasca, which was a an incredibly powerful um, soul exploring uh, experience and. I mean, again, I've talked about this on social media, so a lot of people will be aware that um, I'd had a sort of fairly unhealthy relationship with alcohol for realistically 20 years, yeah. and um, which has sort of grown steadily worse, you know, over the last sort of five years, I guess, yeah. where I wasn't drinking to... I wasn't drinking to get drunk, because actually I never enjoyed being drunk, but I was, I was drinking, and, you know, because... You know, I'm self-employed, and you know, I'm my own boss. Sounds you know, in the day when you can. Yeah, you, no, no one's going to pull you up saying, or you know, you, you shouldn't be doing. You, you, you shouldn't be having a pub lunch. Or yeah, you you, be, yeah, but that, that was my <laughs> That's excuse. What you do, though, right? Yeah, yeah same. I'd, I'd go and have a pub lunch. And you'd be like, I'll have a beers. burger and chips, and yeah, wash it down with a couple of beers, and then you've had a couple of beers, and you, you, it just continues. You have a couple more beers later on in the afternoon. You have several more beers in the evening. Completely. And. Um, you know, when I went to ayahuasca this time, when I went to the retreat, it was something that I really wanted to sort of mm. try and address. Mm. 
and um, which I did address and you know for a very very powerful sort of 12 hour experience on the first night um, where I was I was shown how destructive my behavior was and you know how damaging it was you know not just to me physically and mentally but to my spiritual growth and you know moving forward and, and, and growing in life which is something that we all need to do that's the fundamentally the reason why we're here mm. and you know I've come back to England afterwards and you know I haven't touched a drop and I'm not even sure I'm going to touch a drop ever again I mean I might you know probably at Christmas you might have yeah. a have a little yeah, have a sherry with your dad oh I can't I can't stand <laughs> I'm sherry I'm joking I it's a metaphor man sherry. it's just metaphorically speaking you know but that's exactly Actually, have a glass of champagne or something yeah know? maybe a glass of yeah. prosecco or something like yeah. that you see it was really it was really it was really interesting watching you go away on your first experience because um other people i know who have done that they've come back fundamentally changed with their ayahuasca experience i mean no doubt when you came back from the first one you were a different person but this time i can actually physically see that you're a different person and it's changed your without sounding like a hippie you've, cha- you've your aura has changed you look different you're calm. You're not. You don't. You haven't got the crazy eyes anymore. <laughs> no, seriously. No, like, seriously, eyes. man. No, seriously, man. No, but li- my wife said this to me the other day. Yesterday, uh, we were out having lunch, and obviously we were sat opposite each other, so she could have a. You know, I was the only person you, she really could yeah. look at, and she said to me, "She said, like, you know, your eyes are a different color. Yeah. There's a there's, there's your a whole diff- thing. There's your your, your whole, as I say, sounding like a hippie and all of that stuff. Your whole being and your whole aura is completely different, man." So, so as I say, like with, with a lot of people I know who've done ayahuasca before, they've gone away and come back and been fundamentally changed to the point where I don't even know them anymore. Where they've, you know, just quit their job, stopped drinking, stopped taking drugs, um, divorced their wife, completely changed, literally had a complete life flip. Yeah, completely um, and, and changed. Now, when, when you came back the first time, you saw some stuff and it made you sick. And I think... It was like your almost like the tourist version or the entry level one that you get first of all. Well, it was it was yeah it was it was the entry level where you not being rude to you, but like oh, but like this the last time it was a fundamental change in you and you you can see it. Yeah, but I mean I knew that I mean I was getting as soon as I realised I was going back to do to do the ayahuasca and to go and see the frog and all the other things. I, I was actually for a couple of weeks beforehand I was having dreams. It was coming to me in my dreams, going this this is going to be big. You know, there's going to be big changes, and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna say goodbye to lots of stuff, lots of stuff, yeah. and you're gonna to have to detach from old parts of you and, yeah. and give that up. And yeah. I remember the morning that I was having to go to the airport, I was terrified. I, like generally, I was I was so anxious, I was nearly in tears on the train going to Gatwick. You know, no, I knew you were in bits. I, I, yeah, I was. I was, a, I was. I was a complete emotional wreck on my um, on my on my suitcase, which I'll show you later. Um, because I was carrying my podcasting equipment, I, I put this tape down which just said "fragile," <laughs> and uh, it was it was Amazing. a, it was a perfect, me- perfect metaphor for yeah, exactly man. how I was feeling. I was just like I was completely fragile. I was I was completely fried. Yeah, you know, I was I was scared. No, no, I could tell because because you, you, you just shut down. Oh, yeah, you shut I, down. Yeah, I was I was I was I was in a negative space, and I, 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 I like I said, I said I very nearly didn't get on the plane, mm. and. Um, but then you just sort of remember that sort of warrior spirit that is inside all of us, and you just got to go. I'm going to do this. I'm going to instead of running away from fear, which is what I've done all my life. Exactly. I'm going to face it, and exactly. uh, I'm very glad I did because it was the most magical transformation mm. 
that I've ever experienced in 10 days of just solid healing with an amazing group of people wonderful shamans Mm. amazing Mm. amazing plant medicine I mean interesting this year last year when we were doing the ayahuasca um, it was it was tough tough physically Mm. when you're drinking it it was it was slightly thicker than this year and um, last year I was the first person to puke on the first night and I (laughs) I remember just sat there you know 27 other people all sat around me and bucket between my legs just thinking oh my like the God. exorcist like yeah literally I'm just like I'm not feeling good and then I'm just like oh I'm, I'm going to be sick and then my ego is sort of saying to me you're going to be the first person to be sick or first person just remember you're going to be the first person I'm like oh my God I don't want to be the first person to be sick and then I just kept remembering that what they sort of say to you is just like you've got to surrender mm. this is something the shamans and you know the advisors always say you, you've got to surrender to experience and I was like I have absolutely no idea what the hell surrender means. I, no. I, I, like, w- w- what the hell does surrender mean? I, I think also because you, in your own personal life, you very much have a very strong sense of self and your belief and who you are. So for you to actually release that and let that go and become absorbed by the experience, as for most people, is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Because you, because you, 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 know, you maintain your certain amount of self-worth and mental health and who you are and your ego and your personality and all of that stuff. But what this stuff is, is it's, it's, just, it's just telling you that there's no place for all of that in that realm and no. that, that has to go. No. I know. I mean, you know, because I was getting wound up and, you know, wound up by my sort of wife and my family. They, you know, they're all concerned. They're just like, Jesus Christ. You're mad. You're mad. Yeah, you know, no, no. You, you're going off and you're going to be drinking this. They're just like, what the hell are you drinking? Monkey juice. It's mad sort of monkey juice from the from the jungle. You know, yeah. the strongest hallucinogenic. It, yeah. You know, basically known to man. And um, yeah, I was I was nervous, but I think the first retreat actually what it did is it, it gave me the building blocks. It creates a foundation from what you then build on. Mm. And um, this year, you know, the foundations from my house were built last year. This year was like finish the house and just retrofit um, but, it but um, interesting going back to what you were saying about being the first person to purge the last time you mentioned to me that you weren't sick at all this time when you drank the ayahuasca no no this is this is the, fascinating this was the this was the interesting thing so last year we had a different we had different shamans this year so last year the shaman gave us our the ayahuasca in a cup and we would have a have a sip as much as we want mm-hmm. every single time the song changed there's a, there's, oh, okay. there's a new bit of music like a drinking game <laughs> Yeah, you do what? No, sorry, I'm just, I'm just being. Fun. No, no, no. But it, it, it kind of did remind me of uh, the student nights down in Bristol, where <laughs> the hundred shot challenge. Sorry, that's the, that's the worst analogy I could think of. But it just made me laugh because I know students who do drink like that. Yeah, so sorry. yeah, same sort of thing. Um, but every every single time I drank it, I was I was sick. And, yeah. and this this stuff, ayahuasca, is the most revolting tasting. Oh, it's, it's it's you can't even describe it. It's there's nothing pleasant about it at all. It's it's disgusting. So I thought this time round that you know I'm just gonna, I'm going to be purging you know you your front purge you back purge so you you you've got diarrhea and everything as well and I thought we'd still be sipping it so I was like okay well I can just sip it and take control no this time round you go up to the altar they give you this sort of like seventy five mil sort of shot glass yeah. full of the ayahuasca yeah. and you down it in one wow and I thought if I down all of that in one I'm gonna it's just gonna come straight up. But then you don't want to puke because then you waste the medicine. Yes, exactly. 
it did make me feel a little bit nauseous, but I was able to breathe through it. Yeah. Um, you know, before sort of being given a sort of an amazing yeah. sort of light show and yeah. traveling through different mm. dimensions and meeting mm. different entities. Mm. But where the real healing for me <clears throat> sort of came about was, you for me, I'd get about an hour and a half to two hours of sort of really intense visuals mm-hmm. where you, you know, those of you who've never done ayahuasca, you, it's very difficult to explain. It's a bit like trying to explain color to someone who's been was blind. Born, yeah, yeah who's sure. born blind and sure. has never experienced color yeah. as we know it. You are thrown into this complete alternative reality where you're meeting intelligent beings who know you, they know everything about you, mm-hmm. they they can they, they offer you huge amounts of information and data and um, that in itself can be can be really really powerful uh, completely so if I can just take this here for a second sure, for so um, recently because of the stuff that's been going on in my personal life I've been having a really really rough time uh, issues with my, my family and my wife and um, I've been lucky and luckily enough uh, I've managed to get my hands on some DMT and uh, because of the terrible mindset that I've been in um, a lot of people said to me, you know, if you're brave and you, you're in the right place, and you, you know, you, if you ask, if you ask for healing and you ask for help, you'll be rewarded. And so I was in about the darkest place I've been in in probably 25, 30 years. My life's just kind of fallen apart around me, and uh, I was in a position where my partner was away. There was somebody looking after my child. Um, I was in a very deep place. And so I thought, right, well, this is probably the right time for me to start asking some questions about myself and about my life and maybe, you know, dip into the spirit molecule a little bit more. And um, it took me a long time. Um, we we have some incredible vape cartridges that uh, a good friend makes for me. Um, and I had maybe six or seven hits, big hits as well. I held it in, nothing happened, blew it out, another big hit nothing really happened so I was like okay I'm treating this in the wrong way this just isn't doing anything so I went and sorted myself out I sat back down a little bit of meditation sat with my crystals had another try had a few hits and I got transported to a place where I've been before which I didn't actually realise and 20 years before my DMT experience I'd had a dream experience where I'd been given this incredible download of information um, where I've been introduced to Egyptian gods, um, I've been shown the halls of Amenti, the halls of records, but because all of this information that I was being downloaded was coming so fast, it was making me purge and be sick and almost have a very similar experience to like the ayahuasca ceremony. Mm-hmm. Every time I lay back down, I've been plugged straight back into the super highway of information. Mm-hmm. It was bombarding my brain with all of this stuff, and it would make me sick. So. Because of this experience that I had, when I was actually having an incredible healing experience, I met Thoth and other people, other, other entities, and they were, they were giving me this huge healing experience because at the time I was trying to heal other people, I was doing a lot of Qigong and Qigong, we were doing um, a lot of Tao-based um, healing, um, a lot of energy transfer, um, a lot of healing, and I think basically the spirits decided that if, if I was giving healing I had to be a lot cleaner myself than I was. So I had this huge experience which made me think I was losing my mind and made me shut down all of my channels, which is why I started doing a lot of cocaine and a lot of things to basically shut off the voices. There's a lot of history in my family. My nan was a medium. There's, you know, a lot of my, my aunts were who, what I would consider to be witches because we all have a slight 
sense and an inner voice about situations and what goes on and a certain intuition and when are this when all of this stuff comes back to meet me I was always incredibly scared by it because I wasn't I felt like I wasn't in control of my brain and my sanity and who I am as a person which is a big thing as we were just talking about it's your whole ego your personality who you are mm. and all this your kind identity of stuff. so my identity so from so I had a complete I almost had the psychedelic experience of doing ayahuasca or one of these huge experiences but without actually taking any drugs this happened when I was completely straight when I've, I've been back from I've returned from India in maybe February and this happened like late February and this happened in the early March two or three weeks in once I've been home and I had this incredible even thinking about it now makes me emotional because it, it made me think I was losing my mind so I shut everything down anyway going back to the DMT experience that I had maybe a week ago two weeks ago um, I, I vaped probably more than more than I needed to and I didn't do anything so I did a little ritual lit some incense came back in the room same thing again asked for healing asked for help and uh, I had a I had a good go I had maybe maybe nine or ten hits on the vape just to make sure that I was going to a place and as soon as I shut my eyes the geometric pattern started um, I was getting the flower of life the DNA it's cross section mm. um, and then it started going into fractal patterns fractal patterns fractal patterns and I was like okay here we go and so I just relaxed into it said I'm here for love I want to meet my guides show me that the you know show me show me what I need to see I'm open to this and so it threw me into a place where I was I was seeing this sounds completely crazy but I was completely present because I opened my eyes a few times to make sure I was still in the room which is what I love about DMT because you're completely present the whole time it's just or well most of the time if it, it depends on the dose so anyway it threw me into a place where I was flying over the stratosphere if you follow my Instagram you'll know all of this anyway I'm flying over the stratosphere seeing through the eyes of a bird maybe a stork or maybe I don't know something soaring away and I was seeing the curve of the earth and the blue band and everything like that well, was, was the earth round or was it flat <laughs> flat obviously no no it was completely round it was curved come on uh, yeah yeah okay so <laughs> so anyway soaring away over the stratosphere me and probably I'd say there were two or three other entities that I was flying with there were birds or something can't really explain it hard to explain it's all pictures so as we came to land or as I felt myself land there it flashed um, an Egyptian sign which uh, which is Horus as a bird with its wings spread out above his head and Ra the sun god which is basically it flashed the son of god which is what Horus is uh, regardless of what god you believe in if it's Egyptian that's the sim that's the symbology okay so as we landed, I was aware that there were there were three entities with me. They were all bird-headed. I don't know why I always get bird associations, but I do. Always have done in my in my psychedelic experiences. It's always been bird associations. It's interesting. Yeah, Garuda or like peacocks or like Horus. Yeah, yeah, you or, said the other day about peacocks, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. And pe See, I pe I, peacocks is interesting. I rarely have birds. I've had owls. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a bird. But, but, but so so anyway, when going back quickly, going back to the experience as I landed. Uh, I was aware that there was a, a man-headed, um, a, a, let's say a god with a humanoid body and a kestrel or a hawk head who was inspecting me and looking at me. And there was a female entity 
who introduced herself as Arvan, even though I found no reference to this whatsoever. But Arvan actually means battle ready. And that's about the only, yeah, so that's metaphorically you could say that that meant a lot of stuff. So I've been doing a lot of research on this. So the, these two entities, now Horus is basically the son of God. The female entity is Isis, who is effectively the Virgin Mary, who you always see swaddled in blue with a, with, with a baby, you know, swaddled. Uh, and she is the only Egyptian god who is presented as a female with wings. So you basically got the son of God and the Virgin Mary come to visit me if you believe in that belief system. So they were looking at me, inspecting me, like twitchy-headed hawks, is all I can say. One was probably a, a kestrel, and the female one, I would say, was probably like um, a Harris hawk or something like that. I've done a little bit of um, falconry and stuff in the past, so I'm quite associated with birds. And st- I don't know what the association is. It's peculiar. Well, maybe maybe Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just what it is. Yeah. It's just it's that association, maybe. The bird man. And so anyway, yeah, the bird, the bird man. So anyway, um, Horus was ex- uh, Horus or the entity, the male entity, was inspecting me, and he took something from the third rib up, rib up on the left hand side near where my heart was, mm. and he plucked this tick out or this thing out, like a peck, but it wasn't a peck, and it kind of sucked this thing out of me like, Shoo! and then the female bird entity, if you want to call her that, Isis or Arvan or whatever you want to call her, she took something out from my left hand side, just under my rib cage. And again, the same thing. That went. And I was like, wow. I just felt amazing when that went. I just got, you know, like love and help and support and all these amazing emotions. And then the next thing that happened was completely mind-blowing because I got presented with Lord Thoth, who I'd met before in my strange dream experience, who had shown me the halls of Amenti and the halls of records and stuff like that. Mm. And he presented himself as a red ibis in a sequin suit, almost like a doorman with a clipboard and his scroll and his, and his scribe. And he had like what I can describe as like a Venetian mask, if you've ever seen those things, or like the plague mask where they have like the funny sort of proboscis beak nose on. Yeah. But if you imagine that in sequins, sparkling red, uh, uh, like pheasant tails and peacock tails coming out the flash. back of the mask he was as flash as fuck because that was what I was sorry excuse my language that was what I was thinking in my mind you flash so and so if I was going to be a god I would look like that and as I thought that in my mind he was covered in red sparkles and glitter and shine and he just laughed and showed me welcomed me into the doors and there was this whole experience where he just said look you've been here before I've got nothing else to show you but you realise that we're here for you and we can help you and the overwhelming feeling that I had when I came out of it is that there is universal love. You're being looked after. There are people there, or there are entities there looking after you and making sure that you're okay. And I think it's that one thing, even going back to the whole strange Elon Musk and Joe Rogan interview and podcast that they did, you know, all you need is love. And that's, to be fair, that's what the overriding message was that I, that I always get when I come back from this is that the fact that we're okay, we're all one, and they all love us. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I concur. And that sounds, um, you know, to anyone, you know, obviously, I mean, I, I hope that you realise that I'm fairly conscious and fairly intelligent, and so for me to kind of come out with this stuff, is pretty out there even for me to vocalise it and talk about it especially to well listen to I the mean, masses of the people listen thank you thank you for being so honest but it's important because actually I know from just the daily messages I, get, yeah. I mean I'm bombarded with messages yeah. 
and actually people are very very interested in this this, yeah. this whole ex yeah. exploration yeah. of the consciousness exactly. and yeah. and what messages we get going back very quickly yeah. though what so you said they removed two things yeah. obviously third rib up rib yeah. up and just underneath the rib cage so 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 like so if you if you're talking like so just under your, so, your so, chest. So, so, so I've I've studied anatomy and physiology to a medical level, like to like a third year medical level because of uh, my work. I used to do massage and uh, you know health therapies and dietary planning and stuff like that. So you need a really uh, intimate knowledge of of the body and how it works down to the amino acid in the guts mm. and how we, you know how the, the tissues and everything connect one another. So what what, what do you think they removed? Are I you aware of what know. they removed? I don't know. I think so. Third rib up. If you're actually looking at it from a completely anatomical perspective, that's where your heart is. So doing some healing in the heart, maybe. Doing some healing on the heart. Yeah. And then down here. I think it might have just been to I don't know I don't know what the thing on the left hand side was it could have been anything so going back to um, modern thinking on psychology and emotion and things like that the modern school of thought is that emotion isn't just stored in the mind it's stored in the body I completely agree um, and depending on where you store that emotion is obviously where it's going to cause you problems and I think to be honest with you they were maybe just unblocking some shit that I had left there for a very, very long time. And it was just clearing some stuff out for me. No, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, that's what that's what I've experienced with ayahuasca, is, you know, going, quickly going back to my, the drinking issue, mm. was that I was drinking to switch off emotions and feelings and chatter that I was experiencing daily. Like, like, I, was yeah. like I was explaining. You know, just switch it off, suppress yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but, 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 but I think that that's the problem with our modern world and our modern a modern civilization is that the fact that we're all trying to shut that down you know they, they call them you know spirits the drink right it's called spirits for one reason it's the fact that it shuts the spirits out it's not the fact that it raises the spirit like they tell you it shuts it out mm -hmm. same with a lot of those things sugar um, cocaine garlic even it's a funny one. It shuts the channels. And it's, mm. It stops. It stops you being connected to the higher realm. Without again, without sounding like too much of a hippie, but no, I, I to, think, be, to I, be you know to I be think completely my sane. They're, and they're open. With you. They're open. Yeah. They're open-minded to all of this. They're, yeah. And they're intrigued. They're yeah. interested. Um, and I think a lot of us fall upon these ways out of our own minds, so that we're not actually being intuitive and we're not listening to ourselves. And the fact that the fact that tobacco and alcohol are legal, and cannabis and other substances aren't speaks absolute volumes about what they're trying to do to people mm. and how they're trying to shut people down and stop them thinking and control the way that they behave. Programming. Programming. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people would would completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. Um, it's it's always seemed completely nonsensical to me the fact that. You know, alcohol and cigarettes alone kill millions and millions of people globally every single year and have done for, you know, decades. And, uh, you know, even in the 21st century where our, our, our understanding of technology, medicine, anatomy, all of this, you know, is the most advanced it's ever been, you know, within reason. And yet, you know... We're switched off. We're completely switched off. But also, I think, you know, if you understand the fact that one in two people in their life will now suffer from cancer, a form of cancer. 
you know we've clearly got no grip on this huge rise in cancer we're seeing more and more children being born with learning behavioral difficulties autism etc and that, that that's spiking in Agreed. that that's a that's an area that i've spent 20 years working in and you know you've seen huge mm. huge growth in that we're seeing more and more people now suffering from incredibly complex mental health issues self-harm suicide completely i mean you know suicide in men under 45 is it's tragic the biggest killer at the moment you know i think i think we can all hold our hands up and say we know a good few people who have who've been in that situation well i know i know myself in the last 20 years there's been at least 10 people who i know have ended their lives all male all all of a certain age and i think it's an absolute social catastrophe that people are that disillusioned with their lives and with their own self-worth because of what they're told or how they were brought up or what their doctrine is that they feel the need to to end their life i just think it's tragic no it's completely tragic it's completely tragic and the fact that it you know it affects just you know millions and millions of people globally now it's it's uh it's something that you know really needs to be discussed and you know thankfully thankfully i mean the government does seem to be sort of talking a little bit more about mental health and obviously Mm. how important it is but i think i think Again, being controversial, I think the best thing that a lot of people can do is just cut down their drinking, to be completely honest. I mean, I, you know, I've always, in, I've, I've kind of always enjoyed a beer, but it's just sort of been a more of a social excuse. And I think the further I'm going on with my own journey, I'm realising that it's such a massive inhibitor and all the problems that I've seen it cause throughout my life. Mm. And with with colleagues, friends, especially in my industry, we're a very schmoozy. I'm a hairdresser. We're a very schmoozy industry. Loads of people I know have come out of the wrong end of the you know the rehab thing, whether it be drink or drugs or or mental health issues. Oh, you 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 see it in the um, the, hair, in the fashion yes, in the, the fashion industry. industry. Yeah, my, yeah, my wife is also a hairdresser, yeah. and um, we 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 often we often joke at. Uh, just the sheer consumption of But we talk about substances. this stuff frequently, don't we? We talk about this stuff frequently, man. You yeah. know, because because of us both working in a very similar field and you know, the the personal abuse that we see go on in incredibly unhappy people mm. who think that masking it with all of this rubbish and all of these substances and all of these drugs is is actually improving them or making them better when in actual fact all it's doing is shutting them down and making them back away from the real issues that they should be addressing. Mm. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. I spent 20 years doing exactly that behaviour and it, ser- it served me no real purpose at all and it just all it did was just take from me, mm. you know, kill the spark, kill the magic, so to speak. And, um, you know, I'm very glad that I'm sort of out of that grips all of right. that sort of unhealthy behaviour now. Absolutely. Because it was, you know, it was... It was incredibly damaging. It was incredibly damaging to myself. It was incredibly damaging to my relationships. You know, it used to upset my wife a lot. Um, you know, it was a it was a really negative behavioural mm. rut that I got mm. well and truly stuck in. And um, actually, you know, since starting to talk about it online, you know, I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of people sort of, you know, approach me and send me messages and stuff, so saying, you know, look, thanks so much for sort of being so honest. You know, I also suffer as well myself yeah. and. You know, I like to think that I'm able to make some changes as well. Yeah. Um, but it's hard because, you know, like I mentioned in, in all my podcasts, you know, we do live in this world, we do live in this society, which is, 
I think very incongruent for a lot of people. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a huge amount of pressures yeah. on people. Keeping up with the Joneses, having the latest thing, the yeah. latest whatever the thing is. Yeah, all, all, all that BS, you know, all these sort of things you just, you know. You, you, you get sucked into, like the material you get sucked into because it's what everybody else is doing. Yeah, but it's crazy. I mean, you know, I'm, I know, you know, a huge spectrum of people and um, very often, I'll be honest, that some of my, some of the people who I know who are the most successful and when I'm talking about success, I'm talking about what's on paper. You know, they've got they've got the good job, they've got the money, they've got the house, they've probably got the sports car, they might have the holiday home, the pretty wife, the lovely kids. But actually, those people are usually, you know, usually tend to have more more issues because they've gone through. People go through life where you're told, achieve this, achieve this, achieve this, and achieve that. Tick, be tick, rich. Yeah. Be tick rich. these have boxes. The have the fit, have the fit wife. Yeah. The... Tick these boxes, and you're going to get to that point of Nevada. And they and they work their whole entire lives, and quite often it might might be around forty five, fifty that they achieve all these goals, and then they realise that actually they're they're completely empty. They're completely empty inside, and that then causes huge, huge emotional breakdowns. So yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's generally very sad that um, I think there's a lot of lost people in this world where I don't think this world is um, particularly easy, particularly pleasant for a lot of us. Right. A lot, a lot of people really sort of struggle, and I, um, and I'm, a, I'm a massive believer of that, and I, I, I think I'd probably say this in every podcast I do that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think society we're only as strong as our as our weakest, and um, I think we should be paying a lot more attention to human mental health and skilling people up and giving them a lot more control and power over their their thought processes because. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, these poor people they just get they just get lost and usually left by the wayside, and it's a, it's a huge tragedy. It's a massive waste of their existence, which is very very sad. Um, I, I completely agree. I think that um, one of the um, how am I going to put it? It's really hard to to, to put it into words. Um, I think one of the major problems about today's society and the way that people behave and the way that we are programmed to think that we need all of this material stuff and this rubbish around us is completely part of the, you know the modern world keeping up with the Joneses making sure you have the new iPhone well they just want us to consume it's consume it's consuming to fill a gap an emptiness an emptiness in them where they think they need all of this crap I've done to it to fulfil them me too yeah we've, I've, we've, we've me all too. done completely it completely material you know for a for a good few years, you know, in my industry, we were, you know, when I got into my industry, it was all about the, you know, being famous, being the next big thing, being the next top person. It was all about being famous, being the next celebrity hairdresser, being the, you know, the best person you could be, and then being involved in that high fashion thing, you know, working for, for Dior, for Gucci, for Calvin Klein in the '90s when it was all the, you know, what they called the supermodels, all of that bullshit all the smoke and mirrors that you see. Mm. So you see a beautiful woman on the front of Vogue magazine, but what you don't see is the fact that she's been thrown up in the toilet for two hours beforehand to keep herself skinny so that she looks good for that picture. What you don't see is that the dress that she's wearing is held together by a load of bulldog clips at the back because she's so fucking skinny that it doesn't fit her. Excuse my language. I swear a lot, I apologize. I don't apologize. <laughs> it's who I am, rubbish. <laughs>
But this is what you've got to see. We're fed this ridiculously false image of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to aspire to. And it's all complete bullshit. It's completely flipping material. I could, I could swear end to end on this one because I feel so strongly about it, but I'm not going to. It's this false programming that we need all of this rubbish that we don't actually need. What we actually need to be happy in ourselves and in our minds. And so many people aren't happy within their minds that it creates this complete disillusionment in our society where the fact that people are just sad and they don't know why they're sad because they've got everything that they need because they're not spiritually fulfilled or happy or cleansed or healed in their lives but it turns into this manifestation of all of this material bullshit that they think they need to follow the trophy wife, the flash car, the big house 2.4 children, the nuclear family whatever it may be mm. it's, just, it's really it's really, really sad. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And actually, um, I, I, I put up a post on my social media the other day and it read, peace begins from within. If you're not peaceful inside, the world you will see will be chaotic. Um, I, I completely agree. That's the truth. Um, there's also um, another thing you said to me the other day when I was going through some real heavy stuff with my wife, that, you know, the fact that people need to be um, able to heal themselves because if you don't heal yourself, you end up bleeding on those who are around you who didn't cut you in the first place. And I think this is a massive life lesson for all of us. And if you can take a little bit of that and put that into your life, then I think it's I think it's the best lesson you can have. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Right, I've got a, a question that I think a lot of people find interesting um, from a friend of mine. He's just sort of sent me this message. What is the most interesting sort of patient story you've come across with people using uh, edibles? Or what's been the most sort of okay. the largest area of okay. sort of growth or understanding? Okay, so rather than being completely subjective about this, I would say that the one thing um, that people come back to me on, no matter what their issue is, what their ailment, whether it be mental health, physicality, stress, um, whatever issue they have in their life. So the one important thing that we all need as human beings is rest and good sleep. And I think one of the things that cannabis and especially cannabis edibles provides for people is a long restful sleep because sleep is a great healer no matter what your no matter what your issue what your condition if you're in pain you don't sleep if you're stressed out you don't sleep if your relationships playing you up you don't sleep so if you can do anything which allows you some restorative sleep I know with my own condition if I don't sleep well I'm ruined for the next couple of days so the one, the one underlying thing I would say with everything and everybody's physical and mental health is make sure you get enough sleep. And cannabis edibles can be really beneficial in helping you switch off, relax, and get a good, comfortable night's sleep. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, so a little bit of information. I don't think I've ever spoken about this. Uh, I, was a, I was an insomniac from the age of 14, 15, because really I, was, I, I was concerned about, you know, stressed out and worried about GCSEs at the time. Life. And yeah, well, as, as tricky as life can be, I guess, at that age. Dude, it can be tricky when you're five years old. Yeah, true, true. But interestingly, it was my, it was my GP who uh, said to me that uh, I should try using cannabis. Amazing. Yeah, she was a very forward-thinking lady. And, Amazing. Um, that that was that was the main reason I started using cannabis was because I was probably getting three and a half four hours of sleep a night and you know over a course of a number of months we've we've, we've spoken about this 
over the last however many years we've known one another, the fact that we have we both have incredibly overactive brains and yeah. switching the switching off the channels or switching off the overactive brain is one of the most difficult things. Yeah, I, and I think I think everybody will resonate with that. I think everybody will be able to resonate with that. You know, the stresses of work, family life. You know, traveling home after a long day, paying your bills. You know, debt collectors after you. You know, all all of these horrible stresses that we we all have to we all have to potentially endure during this this time. Listen, we've been going now for an hour and forty seven minutes. Fantastic. So I think we're probably going to have to wrap this up because um, I don't want to hit the two hour mark because it. <laughs> People are sort of messaging me saying we need <laughs> to sort of a bit, bit. Well, no, not necessarily too long. It's just I think people struggle to sort of necessarily find two hours to in their lives to, to, to find to, to to listen to us. Go, going back to what we've spoken about all the way through, I think we all have to give ourselves a little bit more love and a little bit more t- a little bit more time. Yeah, so that's that's the tip: a little bit more love, a little bit more time. So then you can <laughs> listen to the Awesome Boom podcast. And and uh, absolutely great <laughs> great advert. But what what I, what I would also say is you know if you take anything from this, you know. Realise that there are people out there that love you. There are people out there looking out for you, and all you've got to do is open your eyes and see them. No matter what your condition or your depression or your or your your state of mind, there is universal love. And again, without sounding like a big hippie or Elon Musk, you know I am just a big hippie, really. But you know, really, all you need is love. You know, and that that that's the truth. You know, open your heart, look out there for it. Don't be absorbed and contained by our 3D materialistic way of life and our brains and world just, of fear just, and, and hate and fear and hate just don't be scared open your open your eyes open your heart open your third eye I agree and just, just be happy I agree man listen it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always I'm, sh- I'm sure people are going to find this interesting and uh, we'll definitely have you back on Let's hope so. to discuss more interesting topics but for now I'd just like to thank you very very much and um Thank you for you guys for listening. It's been a real pleasure. I hope you found it informative. Please give me honest feedback. I always appreciate it. Good, bad feedback. I'll take it all on the chin and uh, look look to constantly improve and up my game. So for now, we'll say goodbye. Enjoy the rest of your uh, weekend and uh, get yourself mentally prepared for your Monday because it's Monday tomorrow, isn't it? Indeed. Blessings to everybody. Good vibes. Yeah, listen, take care, everybody, and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you very much.